questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. And tonight, we depart from the traditional interviews. Sometimes we receive messages asking me to share with what I've learned so far doing this show. And since everything is about our guests, I don't get a chance to do that unless I appear at another program where I'm being interviewed. Recently, I had the privilege and the pleasure of being interviewed by someone of the highest caliber in the field of media broadcasting. I wasn't interviewed once, but twice the same week. Greetings, I'm your host, Mel Fabregas. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, past, present, and future, subscribe at VeritasRadio.com. Tonight's special guest is none other than Jimmy Church. Jimmy is a radio and television host for the Game Changer Network, Premier and iHeart Radio, and the History Channel. Church is the host of Fade to Black. Jimmy is also a guest host on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie and co-stars on History Channel's Hangar One, The UFO Files, and the time travel conspiracy show Time Beings. He's also the star and host for a brand new series on History A&E that features Fade to Black that will premiere in the fall of 2017. Growing up, Church was influenced by his mother, who was an avid reader of Edgar Cayce and Eric Von Daniken. She had an open mind for all things paranormal, and his father was the band leader for the army band, a musician. And this outlook on the world from childhood is still what happens every time Jimmy is on the air. He's taking overnight talk radio and network television into the future with a new generation of listeners who all want an answer. What is the truth? And to tell us his truth, directly from the city of angels off the Pacific Ocean, I'm delighted to welcome the one and only Jimmy Church. Hello, Jimmy, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? It is an honor, Mel. Thank you so much. I'm honored. I'm privileged. First of all, let me thank you once again for inviting me onto your radio program, Fade to Black, as well as Coast to Coast AM. I had a terrific time and received a lot of great feedback, so I hope we can do the same tonight. But in reverse, it's my turn to take an X-ray of you, and I say X-ray because sometimes our listeners don't know that much about us. So let's open that window so we can all learn more about what's inside Jimmy Church. Let's begin with your journey. Tell us about your childhood and what motivated you to be who you are today. Well, uh, and thank you again, uh, Mel. This is uh, this is exciting for me. And I'm going to throw the exact same accolades right back at you because it is rare for my audience to hear from another show host and and what makes them tick. You've been doing this for a long time and and you've got a very large audience and a dedicated audience and they don't get to hear about you. And I do the exact same thing. I I am doing the interview and the audience is never here for Mel Fabregas, right? They're not here for Jimmy Church. They're here for the guests, right? And right. and that's our job. And so to reverse that and for me listening to you for so many years, 
to get inside of your head was a treat for my audience because we share the same audience and they got to hear your story and your side of things. And I found it completely fascinating. And the other thing is this, when you have host and host on the show together, it's a, it's a bonafide treat for both hosts. <laughs> it's like a night off right? in a way, but you know, there's so much information that comes out of it. It, there is a lot of information that you never get to share. And for me to to ask those questions of you that I've always wondered about you and your background, the the interesting thing about Veritas is that you keep it about the guest, right? So you're the mystery. <laughs> you're the mystery. And, and it was great to have you on and then to bring you on to Coast – because the coast audience, which everybody knows, is is quite vast and is in the millions, but they all listen to Mel, you know. And for them to to hear your story and your side of things and what got you here is is just a, a fantastic experience for everybody. Now that being said, back to me. Um, I I I grew up an army brat, and my father was in the army band. He was the band leader of various army bands around the world. So. That meant a couple of things. One, uh, the family was pulling up stakes every three years and, and moving to another city, another state, or another country. There's that aspect. But he was a musician, right? He didn't fire a gun. You know, he was never in Vietnam or anything like that. He, uh, he played an instrument, uh, many of them, and he was uh, a band leader. So he was the guy with the baton, right? The the, the parades, uh, the Fourth of July parades. My dad was the guy out in front leading the band marching. So with the baton and which means he was a pretty cool guy. He still is. <laughs> he's still alive uh, and still a musician to this day. But so they met as musicians, my mother and father in Michigan. So that means my mom was pretty cool, too, and musicians that get together and start a family. And that's was the early part of my experience of my childhood. Now, all that going the way that it was, you're you're exposed to the military industrial complex and 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 the military family life. Sure. I lived all of that and I wouldn't trade that in for anything. It was a great experience. But on the other side, my mom especially now, uh, looking back, knowing what I know now at my age, I'm 53, I'll be 54 in a couple of days. And uh, looking back with my knowledge, my mom was a trip. She was into all of those things that we talk about today. And I watched her do a lot of these things. And it taught me so many things that the world isn't what it seems. And I get that part of it now. But she was also in her 20s, right? If I'm five years old looking at my mom back then in 1968, my mom is 25, 26, 27, 28 years old. She's a she's a kid. And she was doing the Ouija board in the kitchen uh, till all hours of the morning with my Aunt Z, who is no longer with us, and drinking coffee and chain smoking cigarettes and and talking about all of these supernatural and esoteric things that at that age of five or six and seven, you really start to understand that your mom is is a little bit different. That's the first thing. But she loved us. That's the second thing. But the third thing, and that was the most important for me, 
was her ghost writing, her her automatic writing that she did, the books on the bookshelf, of, of the hundreds of Edgar Casey books. And I was barely old enough to read, but I could read Edgar Casey, right? And I would see these these books. I'm like, who is Edgar Casey? We have nothing but Edgar Casey books in the house. And and then you know Eric von Daniken and and those other things that were starting to accumulate, and I started to read those books at a very very young age, and it just exposed to me uh, what was going on. Now the other part uh, that was pretty fascinating, um, I was into all of those shows in the late sixties, early seventies, like UFO or Space nineteen ninety nine and. And I was into those series and the space race was going on. So just like every young kid in America, especially every boy in America at that time, you had your favorite astronaut, you had your favorite rocket, you had your favorite capsule, you were drawing pictures and and moon bases and it just fascinated with everything, you know, flying cars. And and I was into all of that. And I remember going to the library and this was in the fourth grade. So this would have been like 1971, 1972. And I go to the library uh, with my friend, John Dubrava and we go and look up UFOs in the library, the UFO section. There was a couple of books and we grabbed uh, an encyclopedia and looked up UFO and, and there's Heineck and project blue book and his famous photograph with, you know, his glasses and, and the and, pipes. Yes, 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 yes. And I started to really, really jump in to the subject at a very, very young age, and I never let it go. So my research that I reveal on the show, this is something that I didn't start studying 10 years ago or 20 years ago. This goes back to my very foundation and I've always been into it. And I, I didn't know, Mel, this is what was strange. Um, and I'm going to be very direct with this. I was like a lot of other ufologists, uh, uh, home researchers, if you will, in that I kept my libraries secret. I didn't talk to my friends about UFOs. I had stacks and stacks of videotapes and magazines and books. And I read everything and collected, but I never talked to my friends about it. And I was uncomfortable with that. And I think everybody keeps, you know, may live two lives. You know, you have something else that you do and, and you keep it private and you enjoy what that's what I was forced into. I was in the music business and I was into sports and I was, you know, my friends, we would talk about other things, but I had this, hidden self that I didn't reveal. And it was when I st started to get into broadcasting and I had to make a few career choices. Um, I had graduated uh, from broadcasting school and decided to go into sports. And the reason why I made that conscious decision was because I thought it was an easy avenue to get into. But what I really wanted to do is what I'm doing now. I didn't know how to cross those boundaries. And at that time, you know, you had coast to coast. Uh, Art Bell was still on the air. Uh, so was George, uh, you know, with Art. And they were doing their thing. And and all of that is broadcast right here in my neighborhood. OK, when I broadcast for, for coast to coast, it's right down the street from my house. And at the time when I was doing all of these things and, and studying coast to coast, literally, Mel, was across the street 
from my condo in Sherman Oaks. Right there, I could walk out onto my patio and look at the co-studio. Wow. Yeah. And and I would listen to it every night. I just thought, how how can I wiggle my way into this world? And it took years. Um, it wasn't like planned, but you you focus on your own reality, right? That's what I want to do. I'm going to prep myself for this. Someday it'll happen. I just got to let it ride out and let the synchronicities play out. And that's exactly, uh, uh, oddly enough, that's exactly what happened. Uh, we decided to uh, start an internet radio station. This was back in 2008. And uh, Really? At, 2008? Yeah, there was no internet radio back then. That's when and, it started, 2008. Right. There, it just wasn't out there. So we thought, let's, you know, let's try to break down some walls here and and we'll uh, because at that time in 2008 was the big uh, economic crash. Yeah. Right? The mortgage banking. And I'm graduating from school and there was nobody hiring anywhere. Uh, everybody was cutting back the advertising out of Detroit and the cars and and everything that advertised on sports radio or radio in general. And, and television was affected by this, too. Budgets were cut back. The bailouts hadn't started yet and everybody was panicking. So here I am ready to jump into radio. Couldn't get hired. So we thought, let's just do it ourselves. So we did uh, that classic move, you know, whipped out the credit cards, uh, built a studio uh, in our living room and, and just went for broke. And things just took off. It actually worked. We we didn't have a model because there was there was no internet internet radio or networks or ways to do this. But I had an audio background from the music business, and and I've just figured out a way to build a website, get the audio, and and get it going. And we pulled it off. And uh, eventually, um, I, this is kind of jumping forward um, to your question, but eventually. Uh, Art decided uh, to make a comeback. And when he did that comeback, which was, I'm going to guess here, I think it was around 2013, um, on Sirius XM. And that lasted for about six weeks. And then he quit. And when he quit, I thought, this is, this, we're going to make a change. And so about six weeks prior to Art quitting, I had went to my wife and I said, look, Rita, um, I want to do another type of show and I want to cover everything. Yeah, we'll still do sports, but I would like to do conspiracy and UFOs and and all these things that I love in Egypt and and near death experiences and uh, every, all things supernatural and combine everything together. And we're going to call it Jimmy Church against the world. And she was like, oh, OK, well, if it'll make you happy. So we went and and, you know, broadcast Mel, you know what's involved here. We had to uh, design a new website, new logos, uh, new promos, new spots, new drops, new audio, bringing in voiceover guys, writing everything out, doing all of that production. And we now have a date and we are ready to go. I'm ready to start booking guests and, and do this thing called Jimmy Church Against the World. We're ready to launch. And then Art quit. And that was uh, the week that Art quit. In fact, the day that he quit, um, I contacted uh, Dark Matter and I said, hey, 
we have the show and we're ready to go. And what surprised me was they said <laughs> Thursday, right? It was like, this was on a Sunday afternoon. And I said, sure, sure, Thursday, let's go. And that's what happened. And, th and that's how it all went down. We we made the change. Uh, and that's when Rita said, okay, well, Jimmy Church against the world, uh, quite frankly, sucks. And we need a we need a new name. I was like, we've got everything prepped. So in a matter of about 24 hours, she came in and she said, we're going to call the show Fade to Black. I was like, well, OK, we got that out of the way. Cool. What and, would we do without our wives? Yes, 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 yes. And and she was answering. She was giving me the well, the direct orders and the answers to things that for me, I could just stop thinking about, like the name of the show is is. Critical as that is, she made the decision. I was able to move on. Okay, now it's called Fade to Black. Now let's start production and get these get these spots cut. Um, and we got we got it done, and and we ended up uh, airing on Thursday. And I think we started with one or two days a week. And and Keith uh, said, okay, let's do let's go from two to three. Let's go from three to four. Let's do. You know, after a couple of months, let's do five days. And I said, no, I just I just can't do it. And uh, let's let's just stay with four days. And so we shifted things Monday through Thursday. And and that lasted uh, over with Keith and and Art, I think, for about a year, maybe a year and a half. We were over there and it was a great, great ride. Um, and it allowed us to expose things out there and kind of get our feet wet with how we wanted the show to be done and dealt with and get it dialed in. And uh, now the, the the short and the end answer to everything is during this time, which I didn't know, uh, George Nori was listening to Fade to Black. I had no clue. Uh, none, none, none at all. And one night I had Jason Martell on the show and we're doing our thing. And before the broadcast, I said to Jason, I said, you know what? Let's don't take phone calls tonight. Let's just talk for two hours. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. No interruptions. Okay, cool. So we had agreed to that before the show. About an hour into the broadcast, I start getting these phone calls from the same phone number. And it's a local phone number. I can see it. And it's local. And it's coming in, coming in, coming in, coming in, hanging up, coming in. And it happened about 10 times. And I said to Jason live on the air, I said, uh, Jason, I keep getting this phone call coming in. Somebody wants to talk to us. You want to take a phone call? Yeah, okay, let's do it. I pick it up. Hi, it's Fade to Black. Uh, who's calling? Jimmy, this is George. <laughs> and I said, excuse me, uh, this is George Nori. You sound just like George. Yeah, and I said, uh, oh, come on, you know, seriously. And uh, I didn't think it was him. And Jason goes, no, Jimmy, you can go back and listen to the broadcast. It's pretty funny. Jason goes, no, Jimmy, that is George. And George goes, hey, Jason, how are you? And they start talking. And George said on the air, he said, Jimmy, I'm a fan. I listen to the show every night. We're going on the air here at 10 o'clock. It's 8 o'clock. And who am I listening to? I'm listening to you and Fade to Black. It's a great show. And I was like, wow. And about a month. I mean, can you imagine, Mel? Right? You know, I was like, this this is pretty pretty cool. And about a month later, uh, we were at a conference, and George. Uh Thank you for listening. 
To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it because you don't want to believe. You want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.